Welcome to the Deeper Podcast. I'm Pastor Doug Taylor, and I'm joined, as always, by Dr. Dave Vance, lead pastor of Crossroads Church. This podcast is designed to help you go deeper in God's Word and to grow deeper in life application. You know, we've been talking about the series, the Sermon on the Mount series, and we're going to kind of conclude that today. But before we get into that, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about the storm that happened in Shelby, Ohio, what, 30 miles from, from right here in Mansfield, where we're at. And we have a campus there in Shelby, and the hail was coming down and the storm was coming. Just get your little bit of reaction to, to that storm. Yeah, blown away. And I got I to gotta be honest, Doug, uh, I, I've been here in Ohio a little over four years. I have never heard tornado sirens go off. It, it, it caused my heart to jump a little bit. And I know we, we were together when that happened. I was blown away by that and thinking, well, what is that? And then I realized it was a tornado warning. I never have heard that in my life. Um, uh, in Maryland, we don't get many tornadoes there and there aren't any tornado sirens. So thankfully, we have systems in place to protect people. Um, and if you, you, you didn't hear almost an F2, they say maybe hit F2 status at some point, tornado touchdown in Shelby, Ohio, literally 340 yards from our Shelby campus and praise God everybody's okay it seems like the community is safe a lot of destruction though in that main kind of thoroughfare that happened Uh, I know the roads just today got reopened all throughout Shelby and so a lot of prayer needs to go up uh, for our our friends one of the things that really blessed my heart though was to see people from our Shelby campus the other church community really rally around those people and uh, begin to help in cutting some tree limbs down and getting clean up and beginning to get debris. Um, we're continuing, our team is continuing to assess the situation. Um, it's, it's really difficult because um, insurance companies have to come in first, especially home damage and business damage. Uh, insurance, insurance companies have to come in and make their assessments first. And so uh, there's a little bit of waiting game that happens in between there, but we have a team that's really eager and ready. And I know our church is, is we've got a lot of uh, requests yeah. and inquiries about how we can help. And so uh, thank you for those of you that inquired. We will keep you posted. And right now, pray for our neighbors in Shelby. And we believe this is a moment the church shines brightest uh, to help and to love our neighbors well. And so uh, we pray for you, Shelby. We love you. And uh, we th- we're thankful that everybody was safe. And, and we believe God will show himself uh, in the midst of these uh, difficult moments sometimes. Thanks. As we've walked through the Sermon on the Mount section, um, you know, what's been your favorite part of doing this? I know it's a tough passage, but what's been your favorite part of journeying through this? Yeah, you know, the Sermon on the Mount is, is one of the most quoted sections of Scripture uh, in the Bible, I, I I I would say even those who don't know Christ have quoted sections out probably out of context, but sections of 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 Matthew five through seven. We've all heard these uh, some of these things before. What I love most about it, uh, I'm an East Coast guy. I'm I'm from Maryland. I love the straightforward, honest uncensored, unfiltered call of Jesus in this text. I mean, he is confronting a, a culture that has, has really gone astray uh, from God's original intent. And this community of faith has drifted to where they're hiding behind the mask of the near. And Jesus rips the mask off and says, this is what it looks like to follow me. You can have right actions with wrong motive and it's not obedience. And you could have right motive with wrong a- actions and all you are, are is apathetic. And so he rips off off the mask and says, here's what it looks like to be kingdom people. And I love the honesty of that. Um, And I know I've shared it as I've preached this series and our team has preached this series. I've said that it really leaves us feeling two ways, motivated and inspired 
and, and yet at the same time uh, a bit a bit uh, uh convicted uh challenged uh, a little bit rubs us the wrong way it's like sandpaper at the same time and so i really think that is the journey of christ that we should always feel a bit of discomfort so that we turn to Christ for our comfort, and yet at the same time, we feel a little afflicted, so we turn to Christ for our benefit. I love the quote that says, uh, Christ com- comforts our afflictions and afflict- afflicts the comfortable. And it's that picture of, of Christ keeping us in balance in our lives. So I love that. We see three warnings in this section, and let's look at each, each one of those warnings. Jesus talks about two paths. Um, can you describe those two paths for us? Yes. Yeah, so we had this great section, verse 13, all the way to verse 29, and, and really into eight, chapter 8, verse 1, I, I would say. And, and he starts with this idea there, there are two paths. And I love this because, you know, in our world today, we think of the many paths to whatever way of life. There's many paths to God, many paths to success, many paths to whatever it is that you want, financial freedom. You know, there's, there's these pathways. And Jesus says when it comes to spiritual life, there are two paths. There's a, a wide path with a wide gate, and there's a narrow path with a narrow gate. And I love that he simplifies it to say there are really two paths. The one path he describes as, as easy. He describes it as, as many find it, many follow it. And he describes it as a, it leads to destruction. That this, this one path leads to destruction, whatever path that looks like. Now, what I love about this description is that in the Greco-Roman world, the, the Greeks built roads and the Romans perfected those roads. And they had roads all over the, the, the Roman Empire. And they were major highways in many ways. Along the side of those roads, there would be these little dips into valleys, and they were they were like little alleys, and you could ride a horse back there, you could walk back there, and and, and Jesus says there's another path, and that's the picture of this. There's a wide path, the highway, and then there's these offshoot paths that go into neighborhoods, and he calls it the narrow way, and the narrow way is difficult. It's not easy. It's 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 bumpy. It's windy. It's it takes turns we never expect. Uh, it has difficulties that seem to pervade it, and yet it leads to life, and it says few find it. And I love this this contrast between anything besides the path of Christ, the narrow path, is leading to destruction, no matter what it is. The narrow path leads to life. And so what Jesus does is he kind of confronts our cultural thinking, doesn't he? Um, because as a culture, we kind of think uh, when we hear these type of words, we tend to think, well, we're okay with people going down whatever path. Find whatever path you want. But the moment anyone says this path is the path, it is the right path, now all of a sudden we call them narrow-minded. And so Jesus kind of plays on that and says, no, there is one path, and it's not narrow-minded. In fact, the narrow path leads to the most broad life, the life of freedom, the, the life found in him. And so Jesus kind of flips the script on that idea to say, Oh, if you believe Jesus or if you follow Christ, if, if you believe in him, him exclusively, then you must be narrow-minded. No, Jesus says, no, no, the narrow path actually leads to the broader freedom in him. And so it is the right path. And Jesus claims that exclusivity. And that's why it says very few find it. If the narrow path leads to eternal life, the narrow path leads to heaven, well, then why, why is it so difficult? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, I, I think because... It is not the easy and popular way. It is, it is filled with, 
you know, he's talking to a first century crowd that many of them will be put to death for their faith if they follow Christ. The disciples certainly will. Um, they will be put to death for their faith. It costs to follow Christ. And as we we see a changing culture around us, it costs a little bit more to stand for Christ. It's not going to come as easy. And it's certainly not the popular route. And, you know, I don't, I don't know about you, but but we naturally follow what's popular. We right. follow the crowd. And, uh, the fact, easy. What's easy. What's easy, yeah. yeah. We have to, to follow Christ, we have to surrender things yeah. to him. Yeah. It makes it difficult, doesn't it? It's so true. And, and, you know, our instinct is not to surrender. Our instinct is to, to hold on. Um, our instinct is not to, uh, not to follow the unpopular way. Our instinct is to follow what the crowd does. Uh, the bandwagon effect, right? Everybody's right. a Browns fan right now because the Browns are good, right? Uh, they, they're their favorite to win the Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, now everybody loves the Browns here in Ohio again, even if before you probably weren't a Browns fan, right. there's an intrigue to it. Why? Because there's, there's something about winning and it's something about when many, a lot of people talk about it. Um, fashion takes the same range. So when it comes to Jesus, when he talks about this hard road, this narrow road, it's not popular. And so the crowd doesn't follow, few follow it. And so when few follow it, you feel like a fish out of the water. You, you feel like you don't belong. You feel like you don't fit. And as Christians, that's a good place to be because we don't fit. We're not, we're, we don't belong here. We belong to a different kingdom. And Jesus gives us a second warning about a tree and its fruit. What analogy is he making? With yeah. between the tree and the fruit. Yeah, so he talks about these false prophets and they're in sheep's clothing. He says you'll recognize them by their fruits. And he says it twice, that emphasis in in, uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse verse 15, you will know them, or verse 16, you will recognize them by their fruits. And then again in verse 20, thus you will recognize them by their fruits. And, and this these statements that you'll recognize wolves by their fruit is sandwiched um, with, a, it sandwiches this illustration of can thorn bushes bring about flowers? And, you know, this picture of flowers don't produce, they can look like flowers, but they're really thorn bushes. It looks like figs, but it's really thistles. And the point he's making is what a tree has or is, it will produce. What is any person will show itself. And so it's not just what we say we believe, it's how we live based upon that belief. We can say we're a Christian, but do we really act as Christ acts? We can say that we know the scripture, but do we reflect the scripture in our lives? And that's the warning here is that wolves, they look like sheep in sheep's clothing, but they're really wolves. And eventually they may speak the part act, or even talk the part, but in when they start acting the part, uh, then you find out they're not. And that's what he's getting at is we ought to, we ought to not only talk the talk, but we have to walk the walk. It's a well-known expression, but it's so true. Those of us that are, that are watching or listening, the question we may have is, how do I know if I have good fruit or I have bad fruit? How do I know that? Yeah. And, and, and then what is that fruit, right? Yeah, that's a great right. question. And, and we could talk about, you know, the fruit of, uh, you know, faithfulness to the local body, the fruit of scripture and obeying the scripture, a, a pursuit of Christ in our lives. Uh, we can talk about, uh, the, the fruit of prayer. Are, are we spending time in prayer and, uh, with, with, with our father? Are, are we sharing the gospel? Are we ashamed of it? Uh, these are all things. Are, are we willingly obeying? Or are we reluctantly obeying? That's a, a way we, we look at fruit. Am I being disobedient? Um, and again, all of us have moments where our fruit isn't as good as it should be. And that's why we see the beautiful picture in John 15 of Christ pruning that. He, he takes away that bad fruit so we produce good fruit being in the vine. Um, 
one of the questions I think are really key to ask here, and this is really getting back to the motive, because that's where Jesus is going, is is the motive behind what we do to get in the heart of a person, um, is I would ask the question, am I merely trying to please God or do I trust God? And in the text, the proof of that is he goes on and says this well-known passage that really leaves a little fear in us. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He, he says, in fact, some I will say depart from me. And the reason for that is because the response is, Lord, Lord, did we not? Didn't I prophesy? Didn't I cast out demons? Didn't I do good works in your name? And even in the name of Jesus, what they were doing is they were using Christ to get their own glory. What they were doing was trying to please God to get glory instead of trusting God so his glory is seen through us. Big difference. Do I please God or do I trust God? When I please God, I'm doing it all for myself. When I trust God, now the fruit of Christ bears itself out of me so that I can't take credit because it's all in him and it's all for him. We see this third warning is more of a consequence. Yes. Uh, if we don't listen to what Jesus is saying, kind of describe that for us, this, this foundation yeah. where you built the construction would you like to sing that song for us? <laughs> the wise man built his house upon the rock and the rains came tumbling down. Yeah. I remember that as a kid learning that song. I don't know if you learned too, that. Yeah. And, uh, and then the, uh, the, the, the guy who, who built his house on the sand is in the end of the song. It says, and the house on the sand went splat. And I remember smashing my hands together, you know, this picture. And, and that is, it, it is very self-explanatory, isn't it? The idea that the foundation of our lives matters. For a house, the foundation is everything. You have a crack in your foundation, you have to dig up everything to fix it. Uh, if you have a crack in your foundation, your house is vulnerable. When, when our foundation is not set in Christ, and, and can I say Christ really is the answer of every one of these parts. He is the path. He is the, the tree by which we bear fruit, the vine that we, we can bear fruit through. And he is our foundation. He is the foundation. In fact, I would dare say this text is, is only Jesus, all of us. It's only Jesus, all of us. And the question is, what is our foundation? Is it firm in Christ or is it on the sand of culture, on the sand of ideology, on the sand of ourselves, on, on, on the sand of our, our own self-worth or even self-effort? If so, when the storms come, it collapses because the storms will come. And so a firm foundation will not prevent storms but it will prevent, storms are going to come either way, but it will prevent uh, destruction. It will prevent complete destruction because when the storm comes, we stay true to who we have as our foundation. That's Christ. As we close, let's do some final thoughts on, on these three sections. Maybe some application points here as we look at these three things and how it applies to my life. Yeah, you know, first of all, I would say, you know, that firm foundation is everything. Uh, what is your foundation? Is your foundation shaky? And, and I would say if your foundation is sh shaky, don't try to reinforce the beams of your life. So many of us, we try to reinforce the beams. And what I mean by that is we, we think, well, I need to have more of this in my life. I need to have more of this in my life. And I'm going to try to try to, you know, work a little harder. I'm going to try to do this with my kids. And all those things are good things, but they're beams. The foundation is our life in Christ. And so we need to get in the scripture. We need to have prayer. When the foundation is shaking, I don't go fix the beams. I look at the foundation. I find the vulnerable, vulnerable points and I come back to Christ. Secondly, uh, you will produce what is in you. What is in you will eventually come out. And so I want to make sure that what's going on in me 
is a uh, is a work of purity, is a work of holiness, a work of, a work of godliness, not perfection, but a work of godliness, a pursuit. Because eventually, what's in me will come out, and it will come out in circumstance, it will come out in storms, it will come out in a relationships. What is in us will eventually produce fruit, and so we got to check our hearts in that. Are we acting as a wolf? That's the picture. And then I would say that the the third thing that comes to mind is you are one step away. Uh, we are all one step away from being on the right path with Christ, bearing the right fruit with Christ, and then standing on the right foundation on Christ. And uh, that step is faith, that we trust God. Do we trust what Christ has done? And that is the Sermon on the Mount. And what I love about this, if I could just say this in ending, what I love about this text is it ends with the, the crowd saying they were astonished. And the word means literally they're panicked. And then chapter 8 begins with, that says, when he came down from the mountain, many followed him. And I love that because as hard as this sermon was, straightforward, to the heart, motive-driven, people were willing to follow it. Why? Because it's a breath of fresh air to live in the freedom of Christ. It's not a burden. It's freedom to say, you know what? My foundation is set. My fruit can be good. My path is right. It's leading in the right direction. When I know I'm going in the right direction, my foundation is firm, and I bear the right fruit, guess what happens? I feel free. I don't feel stuck. I feel free in that. And so I want to encourage you, if, if you don't feel that freedom, if your foundation is shaken, if your path is maybe, you don't, you're not sure where you're at right now, um, Christ is the answer. It's our prayer that you would consider these warnings and put your trust in the person of Jesus Christ.